Well, um, we're finishing our series this morning called The Lord is My Shepherd. Hope you've enjoyed uh, this series in Psalm 23 and 21 days of prayer and fasting in today. Some of you are like, you know, what are you going to eat? You're start right. You're going to go. You're going to go get something. Whatever, whatever it is you've been missing. My guess is before the day's over, that's what you're going to do. But before we get there, um, I want to I want to finish this series because I do believe it's very relevant um, to these 21 days of prayer and the season we're living in in general. You know, when our when our boys were younger, um, there was one question. That was a dividing line in all questions. It was the most important question. And it would simplify very complicated situations otherwise. So whether they were playing with an action figure or watching a movie, there was one question they would always ask when uh, a new character was introduced that would just uh, was an acid test. And here's the question. Is this a good guy or a bad guy? You know, that's the question. Good guy or bad guy? Because everybody knew that a good guy could be fully trusted and was dependable, so you didn't need to pay attention to them. It's the bad guy that you had to keep both eyes on because you know they knew they were undependable. The problem is life evolves, and we grow older and wiser, and we begin to see that things aren't quite that simple because we see Good people sometimes do bad things, and we see bad people sometimes do good things. And uh, if we're not careful, it kind of mashes together like a soup bowl, <laughs> and we go, you know, what, what really is all this about? And uh, through all the, you know, letdowns and breakups and disappointments and frustrations, if we're not careful, we can become cynical, and we begin to look at everything suspiciously. Now, King David in Psalm 23 gives us a completely different picture of a shepherd who's always good and leads us always perfectly and correctly in the right way and for our good. And as we end this series today, I want us to read Psalm 23. We're on the last verse, so let's read it all together. If you're at home, you can do this, or you know, you're watching this later here in the room. Would you just read it with me out loud? The Lord is my shepherd... I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now here's verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now this morning we're going to approach this differently than we've approached the rest of the series. I don't have any points for you today. What I do have um, is I want to I highlight four of the words of that verse that really jump out of that verse at me, okay? So here's the first one. It's the word follow. Now that's kind of a confusing um, principle for us because you and I are, are used to being taught that we're the followers. We are Christ followers. In Psalm 23, in the first part of this chapter, we hear that he leads us in paths of righteousness. He guides us for his namesake. So we're used to being followers, so it's a little bit um, awkward for us to think about something following us. 
as if we know where we're going. But what I want you to think about in this um, tandem of goodness and loving kindness, don't think about them so much as gifts that God gives. Think of them as a direction that we go. We go the direction of goodness. We go the direction of loving kindness. And so maybe a better way to think about this part of the verse to really frame it in and understand it is um, these things are following us as we follow him. Because he's going the direction of goodness. He's going a good direction. He's going the direction of loving kindness. And as, as we are following him, these things are following us. So, so maybe um, another scriptural metaphor you could put with it is, is um, he goes before us and he comes behind us. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So we've got this 360 God. That's not linear or one-dimensional or, or, or uh, uh, trapped in somehow. He's all around. So don't let the word follow throw you off here. Then the next word is loving kindness. Uh, you can read this verse in a lot of different translations, and this word's going to be translated a lot of different ways. So some, some translations say goodness and mercy. Some say goodness and love. Some say goodness and love unfailing. I chose a translation that says goodness and loving kindness. And the reason that there's so many different translations is because there's not one English word that adequately describes the Hebrew word that is here. And I I prefer the word loving kindness, which is the reason that I chose it. But what loving kindness is, or mercy, or love, or whatever you want to call it, it is a practical love. It is an unfailing love. It is a faithful love. It is an unselfish love that acts and manifests itself for no other purpose but love's sake. In other words, uh, I remember hearing somebody once say, you know, why does God love you? He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. There There is no other explanation. That's it. Just because he does. So that, that's what kind of love this is. This is a love that is motivated by affection, not by obligation. It is a covenant love that is based on Jesus' death for you and I to build a bridge of relationship to heaven. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible describes this loving kindness like this. For I am convinced... That neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I I met God's love uh, one particular time. I probably have many times. But one of the times that stands out in my mind is um, Stacy and I had just been married a couple of years, and I had heard about this, uh, this leader, this pastor, who said he used to go and uh, pray one night a month, and he'd just pray all night, you know, until he was done or whatever. And so I thought, man, that's a good idea. That's what I'm going to do, because this guy's a great, you know, leader, and, and that's part of what has made him who he is, and so I want to be everything I can be, so that's what I'm going to do. So I got my pen, and I got my Bible, and I got my paper, and I went into a, a spare bedroom we had, and I sat down there, and I began to, I began to pray, and I just thought, okay, God, here's your chance, you know. Hit me with the good stuff. 
Like I thought, what God's going to do is he, I'm going to be so much smarter when this is over. He's going to unfold. Because if I'm giving this kind of time to God, you know, all these unlimited hours of God, I'm not sacrificing. I'm not even going to, how many of you like sleep? I'm not even going to sleep. Like I'm just going to stay up all night and I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to let him talk to me. And man, he's going he's to tell me so many awesome things. It's just mysteries, you know, of leadership are going to become mine and pastoral care and all this. It's going to be incredible. And I sat there and I thought, well, I wonder where I should start reading in the Bible. I kind of thumbed through there a little bit. Then I had my paper and my pen and I didn't, couldn't really think anything to write down. So I thought, I think I'm just going to sit here and, and wait. So I waited. So God... Here I am. Hit me with it. And this, and this little um, sort of whisper fluttered in my heart. And I, and I heard this little whisper. Just this inside, not with my ears. I heard the Holy Spirit say, I love you. And I said, that's great. What else? I heard it again. I love you. Man, I don't even need to write that down. I mean, that's, you know, I could probably remember that. It's good. It's good. Now, how about this real stuff? One more time, I love you. <laughs> and then it hit me. That's the real stuff. That's it. And it... <laughs> It rocked my soul. I met God's love. To this day, I remember it. Decades ago. And I just sat in that room for hours, not writing anything and not receiving any other insight, but just being in God's love. Watch this, watch this, okay? I followed Jesus into that room and his loving kindness followed me into that room. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? When did you meet God's love? When did God's love become real to you? Because that, that's what the whole thing is really about. So you have this word loving kindness. I'm kind of Working my way backward through this verse. Here's the third word. Goodness. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. You know, a skeptic would look at all the pain in the world and say, well, even if God is real, he can't be good. Because look at all the stuff, you know. And if some of us were brave enough this morning, we would likely have to admit that we've got a few questions too. I mean, if God's, you know, good, <laughs> then what about all this? Goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Does that mean every day? Because, I mean, sometimes it doesn't look that way. And then here come all the why questions. If goodness is following me, then why this? And why this? And why this? And why this? And well, I look back in my own life, and, you know, there's some years that I say, 
uh, God, I think you gave goodness a couple of years off because I see some gaps. And, and I, I almost have to pull my binoculars out to say, I know it's following me. It's somewhere, but I don't see it today. God, can you let goodness catch up a little bit? Because it looks like it's lagging behind in my life sometimes. And if you, everybody who's concerned over any form of justice can all agree on one thing. The world ought to be a better place than it is. <laughs> but it's not. And we get painful questions. You know, like, how can a baby be born a drug addict just because its mother's a drug addict? Man, that seems so unfair. How, how, how is it that some women are abused and thrown away like trash? What about the person who's born with same-sex attraction and spends the rest of their life trying to reconcile the internal conflict of their own identity? And why is God invisible? Wouldn't it help just a little if we could see him <laughs> or touch him or something? Wouldn't it help just a little? I mean, where's this goodness? We suffer painful and frustrating and unexplainable loss. And pain sometimes causes us to doubt God's goodness. But watch this. There's one way we know that God's good. At least he took his own medicine. Because he sent his son Jesus to walk the earth. And to suffer. And to die. A, a, a terrible death. And he was subject to the same sorrows that we are. And he was born on the run in poverty. And he died in shame like a criminal thief. So at least we know he took his own medicine. But I want to ask for a second if we can back up from that just a minute and say, but other than the gaps in life that we don't have an answer for, are there any other places that these doubts might arise from? Everybody has doubts sometimes, but are there any other sources that might cause doubt? I've got an idea, and I get it from Genesis. I think that Satan sometimes ex exploits our doubts and tries to magnify them. Certainly did in Adam and Eve's case. Uh, look at how, how he first tempted them. I want you to think for a minute. When Satan said, whatever, maybe I've got one shot at this. Maybe he had many shots. I don't know. But his first shot, he said, what's the most effective way to wreck Adam and Eve's relationship with God and get them to turn their back on him? What's the most effective temptation that I could bring? Because God had said, I've given you this wonderful garden. I've made you perfect. The climate's perfect. Everything's perfect. Um, and, and you can do anything you want to do. You need any tree you want. But there's this one tree. Isn't it funny? It only took one. <laughs> there's this one tree. And if you eat from it, you will die. And what did Satan say? Genesis 3, 4, and 5, he says, You will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Well, how did Satan attack? He attacked by sowing doubt into their faith. What, what, how did he do that? Because he, he, said, he basically was saying to them, God's not as good as you think he is. 
Because if God were good, he would let you eat from that tree too. And the reason he doesn't want you to eat from that tree is because he knows if you do, you're going to be as smart as he is. And he doesn't want you to be as smart as he is. You see what he's doing? He's, he's, he's calling into question the motive of God and the goodness of God. And he plants seeds of doubt, and, he, and, and what he does is he encourages you to take matters in your own hands because you can't trust God to take care of you. So you're going to have to step up, and you're going to have to eat from whatever tree you want to, and you're going to have to do what seems right in your eyes because God's not dependable. And boy, what happens when we all begin to do what's right in our own eyes? Satan plants doubts about God's goodness so that he can pull you away from God's loving kindness. Luke chapter 18, Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. When you doubt God's goodness, it hurts your faith. Because aren't all actions justifiable then? I mean, by the way, if God's not good, then why should any of the rest of us be? You see what happens? And now everything that I want to do becomes justifiable. Because after all, I mean, God wasn't there. Everything that happens isn't good, and everything that happens to Christians isn't good. So how do we reconcile this question about God's goodness based against sometimes what we see? Well, there's one word. There's one word that will soothe doubt. And there's one word that'll strengthen faith. And it's my fourth word this morning, and it's actually the final word in Psalm 23. It's the word forever. Forever. David said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, the older you get, the more disappointing life becomes. Isn't that encouraging? You know, if you think, wow, this is great. Let me write that down. You won't have to write it down. It'll find you. The older you get, the more disappointing life becomes. Watch now. Not because life is bad, just because it's broken. Life is broken. It's not all bad, but it is pretty broken. But here's the thing. The clearer that brokenness becomes to you, it's painful. But you know what it does? It shifts your affection and your attention, and it makes God so much more attractive. Then you begin to see, why did I put my hope in this, or my hope in this, or my hope in this, when my hope really should have been in God all along? And what we do is we begin to shift our hope from what happens in this life to what happens in the next life. It's called forever. In this life, we experience forgiveness. We experience forgiveness. We experience healing from shame and rejection and guilt and fear and all other things. And we see great improvements inside of our life. But we're never totally healed. In this life, we're never totally healed. We were born broken. And although as we meet Jesus' grace, we begin to heal and recover and see restoration, we never find perfection. Not here, not in this world, because it can't be found in this world. 
Even if God heals your body, it's not permanent. He resurrected Lazarus from the dead and he turned around and died again. (laughs) Because this world is broken. You may be thinking, what a depressing sermon. Couldn't you say anything else? If that's all true, then where should I put my hope? In forever. Because that is the hope that we have. Heaven is where God is going to take away everything that makes us sad. And we'll never experience it again. He's going to take away everything that's broken and we'll never experience it again. No parent will ever lose another child. I mean, it would just go down the list of injustices. None of them will ever happen again. And that's the hope that we have. I've got a thought if you want to take it home. Heaven is proof that God's good. You want to look for the goodness of God? Heaven's proof. Why should there be a heaven? Why should there be a life after this life? Why shouldn't we just live and hurt and die? Why should there be a resurrection? Because God's good. And forever is a lot longer than the temporary that we're in now. Heaven's a lot longer than the stretch of pain that we're in today. Revelation chapter 7 Verse 16, man, we see a picture of heaven that is startling, so clear, and so wonderful that it makes forever expand in front of our eyes. Listen to this. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne, watch this, will be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. (laughs) He's a shepherd that is leading you through every mountain and valley of this life and he's got a destination in mind and it's called forever. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Can I tell you, the more you can center your hope on eternity, the more joy and freedom you're going to know in this world. Because you won't be anchored down. You won't be weighed down by the stuff. By the, by the stuff. And you can encounter freedom and joy. If COVID-19 taught us anything, surely it's taught us to hold the things of this world a little looser. And to hold Jesus a little more close. You know, death's not the worst thing that can happen to a Christian. Losing your faith is. Losing your faith is. And it starts by Satan sowing doubt into the goodness of God. I'm not saying this is always true. 
because everybody has doubts initiated from our own humanity. But the next time you doubt God's goodness, rather than thinking that your faith has failed, why don't you consider your faith might not have failed, your faith just might be under attack. And then why don't you turn to the one who can strengthen your faith and heal your faith and grow your faith. So once we realize forever is God's answer to every broken thing in the world, there's really only one thing left for us to do, and it's to turn our affections and turn our energy and turn our attention and turn our heart toward God and say, and beg Him, God, please free me from every every way the world has dug its claws in me and tangled my soul up with this world. God, please free me from the bondage of this life. Lord, please free me from every false hope that I'm putting my energy into in this world. And God, would you please help produce in me a fascination and a hunger and a desire and a love and a longing for you. Would you help me to make pursuing you the greatest thing in my life? The best way I can think to end 21 days of prayer and fasting is to get priorities set in order so the next 11 months are centered in Him much as we can. So today, would you stand with me? I, I want us to pray and our worship team is going to come and lead us with every eye closed for a moment. Man, how's your forever looking? <laughs> how's your forever looking? Every eye closed and just open your heart for a moment. Man, I want to talk to everybody in the room and online. And I, I just want to make sure we got this thing about forever right. And if you're in the room today, you're online and you say, you know what? Today, I need forgiveness. I need a relationship with God. Do you know for sure what would happen to you if you died today? Do you know for certain what forever is going to be like for you? Because can I tell you, it can be the most wonderful thing that you've ever known. And so, if you'd just like to pray this morning and say, would you pray for me and I want to invite Jesus into my heart. I want a real relationship with him. I want to know what forever is going to be and I want forever to start now. <laughs> Man, if you're online, just jump in the comment section and our prayer team will start praying with you. If you're in the room, would you just lift a hand and say, I need today to start a real relationship with Jesus. I do. I need to, I need to start. Maybe you're starting again somehow. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe you've been away. But today, I want to pray. Would you just lift a hand and let me see it? We're going to pray with you. Online, would you pray now? I, I want to I pray, okay? Dear Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. I ask you to forgive me for every sin. God, I pray that you would wash me and make me clean. And Lord, begin a process of healing and wholeness in my life to make me the person you want me to be. God, I want to follow you. 
but I need strength and I need faith and I need encouragement. So lead me today and guide me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can I tell you as the worship team comes and begins to sing this song, man, I want to ask you to pour your heart out and beg God for His mercy that He would do something so powerful in your heart that you would let go of the things in this world that you've put hope in and you would begin to desire deeply and crave His presence. You know the closest thing we can get to heaven on earth is the presence of God. It's the closest we can get. This morning, why don't, why don't you just open your hand? You know, what, you know why we ask you to open your hands? You know what it means? It just means, God, I'm open. That's all it means. God, I'm open to anything you want to do. Would you just open your hands and say that, God, I'm open to anything you want to do. God, do in me what I can't do for myself. Let the loving kindness and the goodness of God flow through this room now. Lord, we lift our voice to worship you. and We ask you to break us free. And Lord, let our affections and attention for you rise today.